What? College matters. What? College, College matters. matters. Really? For sure. College matters. Alma, Alma matters. matters. Um, and then as a tour guide, another memory that I had was I, I gave the campus tour guide to Hugh Laurie. He's the actor who plays House MD. Yeah. And so his son, Charlie, was visiting the campus. And uh, I also gave a uh, college info session to Will and Jada Pinkett Smith. Uh, their young son was also considered UCLA at the time. Wow. So I have a, a list of celebrity college admissions uh, interactions. Christian Tanger is a graduate of the University of California, Los Angeles, with a bachelor's degree in psychobiology and a minor in education studies. In high school, Christian was considering going to a community college. He would be the first in his family to attend college. His teacher, however, persuaded him to consider four-year colleges. Convinced, he applied to a handful of colleges in the University of California system. Christian joins us today to share his undergraduate UCLA story. Now, before we jump into the podcast, here are the high fives, five highlights from the podcast. And I think it was that perfect blend of um, academic experience, but recognizing that a lot of life is shaped in the co-curricular, the stuff that was not measured by your GPA, for example. Um, mm -hmm. And then so that, that being steeped into uh, so many different experiences, I just think fondly of all the various communities that I went in and out of. Um, and also just thinking about my own experience about being a late bloomer and finding my, uh, what I was coded for, my, my life's calling later on in my UCLA experience. But the reason why I did choose UCLA, uh, and this is again, grounded in that first generation experience was it was really for the cost. I saw my going and it really came down to UCLA and Berkeley. I had a couple of friends in high school that also got admitted to Berkeley uh, and not to UCLA. So like, oh, my, my best friends are going there. But for me, it was kind of centering my family and centering um, what it would mean to, for example, to go home. I didn't need to take a flight or it would be a long yeah. drive. And so UCLA was close. And so it, I, I, hmm. It was, it was tough. So in, in a nutshell, I think part of my coming into my own self uh, identity and, and also, um, you know, leaving home for the first time in a long time or forever, really, uh, to, to a new environment where I was out on my own. It was, it was, it was, there were equal parts uh, excitement, but fear, uh, doubt and confusion. I think my experience as a first gener really was um, was really complex in navigating all these different ways of, uh, of uh, and new experiences at UCLA. And so my major psychobiology was actually inspired by um, that same mentor who told me like you can change the world by being more than just a doctor. Uh, she was also a psycho a psychobio major, so I ended up taking. Uh, psychology, falling in love, and just really seeing the science behind behavior. Uh, it really intrigued me to think about um, what is are the biology, biological processes behind why we sleep, why we're hungry, why we're attracted to uh, X and not Y. My advice to students who are thinking about UCLA is one, it's hard to get into. So not to, to take it as an exercise of, you know, what are the statistics <laughs> of, of how to get in? So yeah. don't obsess about chances as it is about how am I seeing these as opportunities, not just applying to UCLA, but all your colleges, your set of colleges, 
to really dig into um, where can I test and explore and be curious about the things that fill my cup. Now, I'm sure you want to hear this entire podcast with Christian. So without further ado, over to Christian Tanja. Hey, Christian. Hey, Venkat. It's a pleasure to, to be here with you. Well, welcome, welcome, welcome to our podcast, College Matters, Alma Matters. Yeah, on a Saturday afternoon. I really appreciate you taking the time. Of course. Um, I, you can't see me right now, but I'm wearing my UCLA shirt, so I am totally pumped for this conversation. Um, yeah, it's a pretty podcast, isn't TV, but, you know, but could have used that. Um, nice imagery, though. Um, mm-hmm. Very nice. So, um, you know, um, as we had chatted, um, what I thought we could do today is talk about your years at UCLA uh, as an undergrad. Um, we have an audience of uh, aspiring students uh, all over the world. Uh, last count, we have were in over 50 countries. So we're pretty excited about how far and wide we are able to go. So your story should make a difference. Thanks so much. Okay, so um, maybe the best place for us to start is, uh, you know, as you look back over your UCLA years, what what do you feel about the experience? What impressions do you have? Sure. Um, so first of all, I want to say thank you for for giving me this platform to share my experience. Um, you know, sure. I, I, admittedly, I had graduated all, over t- ten years ago. Uh, mm-hmm. I graduated in two thousand and eight. Uh, so it's been quite some time since I graduated from the university. So um, my perspective is just um, remembering what it was like on the campus of UCLA while I was there. Um, also, when I graduated, I was also connected to the university, recruiting for the university. And even now, as an alumnus, just kind of thinking about the ways in which I plugged into the UCLA experience. So mm-hmm. um, I, I, I do want to, again, thank you for being the first of the Bruin troop uh, to come to the, hopefully more, <laughs> to come to the, the, the podcast, yes. because it's really a really a special place. Even in my, um, since the time that I've graduated, it's ascendancy to the national stage as uh, the top public university uh, for, for all that it's known and, and the brand that it's put out there. I think it's it's quite a, an exquisite um, and humbling experience to be able to call myself, uh, call one of my homes uh, at Westwood, California in Los Angeles, uh, home of the Bruins. So, I mean, my, as far as my overall undergraduate experience, it's hard to capture uh, what is the um, kind of the sentiments, but I think um, I very much enjoyed uh, the the opportunity to kind of navigate with so many different definitions of excellence, so many mm-hmm. different backgrounds and experience. Um, I mean, a lot of uh, college campuses and uh, UCLA, of course, is, is among those to have such a vibrant and diverse uh, and large campus. And I mm-hmm. think that was really uh, one of the shining spots of it. For me, it was kind of a simulation to the real world. Um, and I think it was that perfect blend of um, academic experience, but recognizing that a lot of life is shaped in the co-curricular, the stuff that was not measured by your GPA, for example. Um, mm-hmm. And then so that, that being steeped into uh, so many different experiences, I just think fondly of all the various communities that I went in and out of. Um, and also just thinking about my own experience of being a late bloomer and finding my uh, what I was coded for, my, my life's calling later on in my UCLA experience. You know, I had that first 
a year or two to kind of clunk through and, and, and experiment and say, is this what I'm looking for? Is this really what I'm looking for? Uh, but then figuring out a, a way to pivot out of that. So, so I think just kind of in a nutshell, I, I, I am who I am because of that UCLA imprint and I'll carry it with me for the rest of my life. I thought it'd be a good idea to start with why you think you ended up going to UCLA. Why did you pick UCLA and go there? Sure. And uh, thank you for sending the, the kind of uh, questions in, in advance, because it did take me a long while to reflect a little bit back to, to that time when I was a, a high schooler, um, mm-hmm. a rising senior and thinking about <laughs> what was I thinking at the time. And so I wanted to first open up um, to, to you and the audience that um, my experience as a first generation college student um, very much um, played a role in my choosing UCLA. Mm-hmm. Um, at the time, uh, my parents were, we were, we were considered a low income family. And so part of my limitation, and of course, this is um, what I was operating with at the time was public school was the more financially accessible. So I did not apply to any, any private schools. If I can go back in time, I would convince Christian apply big, you know, dream big. The cost is a different conversation than whether or not you'll get in. But mm-hmm. at the time I only applied to the university of California. So I used that same application. Yeah. Um, to apply to multiple schools. Uh, believe it or not, I was one of the first classes to apply online versus on paper. So, wow. mm-hmm. um, so it was, it was, um, it, it was just, uh, for me, it was recognizing that, um, that I had a lot to learn. And, and in fact, I didn't, my, my, my plan at the outset was to go the community college route to actually apply to um, a local community college, which would be more cost um, savings and then mm-hmm. transfer. But then it wasn't until an English teacher was like, Christian, what are you thinking? Chris, just get out of here, apply right away. And it was really within a month's time that I scrambled to put together this application system. And so I ended up applying to UC Berkeley, Irvine, San Diego, in addition to Los Angeles. And I was fortunate to get into all of those schools that I applied to, you know, all four. I know a lot of the audience are now applying at upwards of 20, 30 colleges sometimes. Yeah. But uh, anyways, it, for me, it, it kind of fit in that, that pocket. But the reason why I did choose UCLA, uh, and this is, again, grounded in that first generation experience, was it was really for the cost. I saw my going and it really came down to UCLA and Berkeley. I had a couple of friends in high school that also got admitted to Berkeley uh, and not to UCLA. So like, oh, my, my best friends are going there. But for me, it was kind of centering my family and centering um, what it would mean to, for example, to go home. I didn't need to take a flight or it would be a long yeah. drive. And so UCLA was close. And so its proximity home was that. Uh, and then lastly, my other obsession in high school is marching band. So I felt UCLA's yeah. marching band was better, a better fit. And so those are my, my reasons about why I chose UCLA. Before we kind of go to UCLA, um, what was your high school like? Uh, what kind of interests did you have and what kind of things were you involved in? Yeah, thank you uh, for, for uh, launching that reflection with high school, because I think at the time, of course, uh, this is navigating uh, a system of higher education that was really uh, new to me. Uh, my parents didn't go to university themselves, and, and we had one guidance counselor for an entire class of 474 students. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, well, we had a, a smaller counseling, so there was a college counselor staff, and then, of course, the, 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 the school counselors. But uh, that said, it was a lot to navigate, um, both on my own and with the support of teachers 
teachers and, and school counselors. Um, I graduated from an international baccalaureate program. And so mm -hmm. for those who are familiar with um, uh, the, the, the CAS requirements, the, um, the action service, uh, creativity action service uh, scheme, uh, the uh, extended essays, and of course, taking the IB exam. So, and I was very fortunate to, to be in a learning environment that, um, that would push my boundaries. And, and, and so that was, I think, uh, it being an IB graduate was, uh, it was a great way to kind of just get my feet wet into some really uh, important rigor. That said, it's all relative. So me, in the, in, in, though I did really well in high school, when I got to college, of course, there's a whole other game where I was like, what? People get sevens, real sevens on the IP exams. And, <laughs> and here I am with a five and, and celebrating that or a four with passing. But mm -hmm. if anything, it was it was a, an important launch pad to kind of understand my sense of self. So in addition to the academics, I did uh, tennis. I, I was kind of an all arounder. I, I was obsessed with music. So I did marching and concert band, chamber singers and jazz and held leadership positions there. I was also math club and, and, and focused on this, uh, the sciences, because of course, as a first gen experience, uh, it was a conversation with my, my family about, oh yeah, you should go to doc, when you go to college, doctor, lawyer, engineer, et cetera. So I had yeah. in my brain to, to go into the health sciences. And then Asian club, I, I lived in an area or in a city uh, in central California that had a huge agricultural population. And so my identity as uh, AAPI, Asian American Pacific Islander, uh, was uh, a rarity. Uh, it was less so, even though it is California. There was not so many uh, those who have who, those who identified as Asian at my high school. So uh -huh. we very much uh, enjoyed and celebrated the AAP identity. And that's where I was I kind of inculcated with uh, the monolith of Asian identity. So I <laughs> loved anime. I loved using chopsticks, even though I'm Filipino myself. Um, yeah. So it was kind of like Asian club. Uh, and so I went into UCLA. Oh, my gosh, there's so many different versions of Asian uh, that I really helped with just kind of understanding from from that uh, from that vantage point. So those were a little bit about the interest that at least I can remember a long, long time ago about um, what was driving me to UCLA. <laughs> Let's kind of move on to the UCLA campus. I mean, let's specifically talk about what you remember of the transition from high school to college. I mean, how was that first year? Um, how did that feel? Yeah, no, thank you for 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 um, for that question. I it, I I've, hmm. it was it was tough. So in, in a nutshell, I think part of my coming into my own self uh, identity and and also um, you know, leaving home for the first time in a long time, or forever, really, uh, to to a new environment where I was out on my own. It was it was it was there were equal parts uh, excitement, but fear, uh, doubt, and confusion. I think my experience as a first gener really was um, was really complex in navigating all these different ways of uh, of uh, and new experiences at UCLA, and so that transition. Uh, into into university is like you I didn't really know what I didn't know and I think that yeah. was um, part of it and and, and luckily I, I was able to really with these passions that I mentioned in high school helped me um, with bridging 
uh, with people, with other students about how to navigate these things. Of course, you have your early entry points of like um, in student housing, you have your RAs, you've got um, the, the, the student coordinators and the leaders of the organizations that you're a part of and in the marching band that you, I was playing in the saxophone section where there were seniors and juniors and sophomores. So I was very fortunate to be exposed to, uh, I guess, intergenerational insights. And so, um, so while I was living my best life and, and staying involved with academic, uh, staying involved in, in the band, um, I really did uh, struggle through some of the classes. And that, that's part of my own training. That's, of course, uh, in the context of, of, of the high school that I was coming from. Uh, but it did take me a while to kind of um, own my experience in prerequisite courses as a, as a science major. So I mentioned I was really at the onset uh, of my experience planning to be a doctor. And so, of course, that comes with uh, chemistry, life sciences, uh, physics, and calculus, mm -hmm. to which my school, I don't think my high school was at the level of preparation. And so I was kind of squeaking by in some of the classes, yet I held the same, um, I guess, guilt of like, oh, if I go to tutoring, that means I'm failing. And so it was this real right. complex way of, of navigating um, that academic experience where I guess there was a combination of having too much pride and, and, and also having to the duty and obligation of representing my family, the stress from costs and making it worth it. Like if I abandoned that vision, would, would I be uh, dishonoring the legacy that my parents with their sacrifice coming in? So it was a, a great amount of pressure and expectations. And the way for me to kind of get through that was through these co-curricular activities. And so I think that transition now looking back, it had to happen in a way that it did so that I could eventually learn um, through, uh, through mentors. Uh, I actually had a, a student boss as my being a, a campus tour guide at UCLA. That was my first job ever in my life to be a tour guide. And, and one of my student coordinators who I, who ascended into the role of being a mentor to me. So there, mm -hmm. there are a lot of ways in which you can change the world and you can help people by, by being more than just a doctor. And so she kind of widened my way, my thinking of, uh -huh. of like, find what is going to give you uh, power and give you confidence. And so, um, so I think uh, the academic program, I actually ended up staying an additional year at UCLA, the, the victory lab, because I of course found out or turned my, my, um, my away from being a doctor into really being an educator. And that's where I discovered the, the minor in education and really found what I was coded to do. Um, so I think that, that, that those, those slips and surges at UCLA had to happen. And, and I was very fortunate to have already interacted with a number of people who can help me uh, get through all those different challenges. Let's talk a little bit about um, what you found about your classmates, um, your peers uh, at UCLA. Sure. Um, so I, I know that um, UCLA really prides its, its diversity, both in, in all, all the different ways, uh, geographic diversity, uh, demographic diversity, even the, the hundreds of majors and, and minor programs that are there. So rather than thinking about UCLA as a monolith, I think one of the things I do want to, to message out to reader, uh, to, to the, the reviewers and the listeners, uh, your audience, is that 
any version of, of what you feel like you want, you can find it at UCLA. It is that massive of a campus that if you have mm -hmm. research interests, uh, if you have a, a trajectory of wanting to go down the professional route and you have um, uh, aspirations of wanting to go into um, particular industries, you can find it on every major under the sun there. Uh, but I think what unites um, the, the, the UCLA community is obviously the energy that they thrive off of it being a large campus. I think mm -hmm. Los Angeles presents a wonderful playground uh, where you can really access uh, a range of different internships and uh, experiences. Uh, it's proximity in Southern California to a number of different uh, actual ecosystems, I think was also another uh, plus of it. But mm -hmm. I, I mean, even in, when you look at a subset like my peers in the marching band, all different majors, even now looking at my LinkedIn networks, they're all different professions from right. private, pu private, public sector, nonprofit, et cetera, that I think they're really kind of united in that loving of UCLA. Um, there's a place called Diddy Reese, which is the go-to cookie joint. So <laughs> we all have kind of those shared experiences of late night runs to go get cookies and ice cream. Uh, and then, of course, the, all the different traditions, whether it be a game at the Rose Bowl or Poly Pavilion, or it's running around the perimeter of the campus. Uh, maybe it's being able to go to the fantastic Getty Museum um, or staying in the city on the hill as in the dorms. But I think those common experiences are the ones that unite um, such variant backgrounds and experiences. So, I mean, it's, it's something to discover and it's a history that keeps uh, being written as UCLA continues to draw and attract talent from all over the world. Um, but I'm very fortunate to have such different exposure through that and through my different jobs I held while at UCLA um, that I can't say that there's one, one version of a UCLA student. How did you find the professors and the teaching? How was, the, how was that? Yeah, so I mean, I think this is one of those life lessons that I learned while being at UCLA. And I think it really, um, the word that I want to settle on is the buoyancy of, uh, of being mm -hmm. able to handle uh, not, uh, like challenges and combinations, because you won't always get the, the classes and the teachers and the professors that you want, you will get them part of the time, they, they do have this uh, very streamlined system of, of oscillating between when you enroll your classes and, and when you have those, but it does give you practice on thinking about the, the backup plans or what are some other combinations that are there. Um, I wanted to launch into that context before jumping into the teaching and professors because it, it again, been marked by my experience where I had the most productive conversations were smaller seminar classes. Uh, mm -hmm. So they have um, different things like they call the Fiat Lux seminars where you can have a really small intimate classroom setting with a professor. Um, and there are also and um, and there are also chances in as you get higher into your upper division courses where the class size gets a little bit smaller. So, as someone who is taking on uh, the biological sciences, there is a ton of other students in your prerequisite courses. So you'll have several hundred in those classes. And so I really drew connection to my graduate TAs. It was really fantastic to kind of see what research they were doing for the class, but also on top of that. So I do remember getting um, uh, close and in proximity to uh, my teaching assistants and then honoring those connections rather than, uh, oh yeah, I need to talk to the professor. Because actually th those people who kind of 
have a little bit in terms of age connection to where you are, you, you find that those are the people who can really reflect um, better uh, as, as mentors, right? So they're, they're mm-hmm. professors, they can offer a, a one version of insight, but then also TAs who are just a few years ahead of you um, also offered a, a new level of insight. And so I think in, in navigating TAs uh, and, and also upper division courses and eventually being able to have uh, classes where it was just a professor in the class, um, that I think it, it was really exciting to find um, professors who, who are aligned with the things that you were interested in academically. Um, and so I think that I want to leave the listeners with a call to action to recognize that those relationships are, are active and so that you're getting to know the academic staff is, is a really something that you kind of have to take on to yourself, that it's not necessarily the institution's job to, to marshal those kinds of sure. connections or you dropping into office hours. Uh, surprisingly, even in a chemistry class of 300, not everyone is clamoring to office hours. So taking the initiative to go see your professor or your TA uh, was mm-hmm. actually quite accessible. Um, but of course, there's not enough time to do everything at UCLA. So you're being pulled from band practice to your jobs, uh, to, to study. Um, there, there's a lot of different things that you have to kind of factor in. But um, I very much enjoyed uh, those conversations and especially a, a huge shout, shout out to the uh, the, the team on the education minor, because I really was able to kind of start to open my eyes to social justice conversations. Um, um, and, and in particular, um, the TAs and professors in the education minor really helped me kind of get through that. Oh, no, I'm not going to be a doctor. So what, what is my calling? Like they were really uh, helpful in just framing that everything, every industry starts with education. I guess for me, I toiled so much in trying to not be wrong. And I think, yeah, I feel like if I had other channels to release whatever shame I was harboring inside, then I would have gotten to that point of like, oh yeah, then, then pre-med is not my calling. So you're in some ways I, I, I challenge my students, uh, even the ones that I've, I've helped with in the past to really interrogate what are the motivations of me wanting to go to this major? Is it a script that I'm inheriting because my parents are shoving it down my throat or is it something that truly drives me? And am I approaching that with curiosity? And I think if you take on that scientific lens of understanding the boundary of what you don't know and then still start to ask questions and approach things with curiosity, yes, you can have a plan, absolutely. But you want to learn how to test that. You know, I want to learn, is it resilient? Will it stand up in the face of, these, uh, you know, graduate tests that I'll eventually have to take or these courses that I need to take or the research experiences, the internships that are required to be successful in said fields. Um, But I think it it really does um, hinge on us to really self-navigate, but then don't walk that that, that journey alone. And that's why I think by getting involved in co-curriculars, I know sometimes parents have the script of, oh, why are you doing that when you should be studying? It's also a version of learning. And so by being able to be exposed to how others kind of live those stories, I mean, just have conversations. I think everyone at UCLA has a story. How did you get to where you are? You know, what are you doing now in, in your current headspace? And I think those those different pieces help me find uh, find my way to to that path, and it is okay to walk off the path and explore other things. and And I very much encourage that in your first few years, and in, in kind of dabbling in different fields and classes while you build up all your different course requirements. Um, but then know that the start of your life, your major is not your career. <laughs> so what you're studying is a jump start to finding your mission, and then finding eventually your calling. So if you th- if I 
deconstruct what my version where I thought major equals career. Uh, I think I would have gotten past a lot of that own self, I don't know, self, uh, self deprecation or feeling like it's not that I'm in and, uh, things for the wrong reasons. I think we, we really want to be reminded to, to kind of be, uh, to play, to be playful in, in the way that you approach these things. I thought it'd be a good transition to uh, campus life outside of the classroom. You talked about all the extras, extracurriculars that shaped a lot of things that you did. So maybe we can start with uh, the living quarters, the dorms and such, and then talk about the cultural groups, organizations, and your own sort of participation in a myriad of activities there. Sure thing. Um, so I lived in the campus dorms my first uh, two years. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first year I lived in a triple, and I think that's a rite of passage for for uh, for any college student. And of course, that teaches and reinforces the the value of sharing and open communication. And I I, I mean, I just had a blast with uh, with my two uh, college roommates. Um, and I lived in one of the high rises. So at UCLA, they have such a plethora of different living options. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, I, I leave it to students to kind of explore with an open mind what that all looks like Uh, because very much um, whatever the combination of what you end up getting um, you're in the the city on the hill is what we uh, what I know it to be while when uh, when I was a student there but since then they've added so many dorms uh, so many different options it's like a resort almost when I remember they added like barbecue pit areas and a uh, sand court, and now the, these beautiful things, uh, buildings that overlook campus. So even now, as I revisited campus since uh, since I graduated, it's just a metropolis of of life and vibrancy. So I I enjoyed my living in the dorms that first year, and then I went to having a double. And so uh, we ate, um, one of my roommates we paired off, and we took a double in in one of the high rises again. Uh, because I think there's just that quintessential experience of being able to share that amongst uh, many other students. And then from there, I, I went into the campus apartments, which are just on the other side of the hill. And I moved in with some friends from uh, the marching band. Um, and so we, we all found an apartment together um, follow, in the following years. And, and that's where I finished out my, my, um, my living situation while at UCLA uh, in, uh, as a student there. And then as I then dovetail, dovetailed into like working at UCLA. Then I lived uh, further away because then I can have a car and and drive around to to campus, etc. Uh, but I think the dorms just it offered uh, again proximity to really create uh, workout opportunities. I mean, we had a really awesome Olympic um, level tennis center right next to the dorms. It always it was a workout coming up and down a class because of the the parabola shape of campus where you go down the hill and then right. back up the hill to go to classrooms and vice versa, which was great because the, the food was incredible. I can't tell you enough. And, and, and I'm tapping into my tour guide times where uh, <laughs> the, the dorm food was touted as one of the best and absolutely whatever your dietary needs were, um, you know, you can have cereal for dinner to like really just a rotating menagerie of different styles of food from all across the world. Uh, so I really did appreciate that. Um, and I appreciated that because we were the city on the hill, you can walk to other dormitory um, dining halls based on whatever your preferences were for the day, whether you wanted stir fry or some Mediterranean um, dish or, or any kind of, uh, again, any kind of uh, thing that would fit your taste, you could find it uh, in, amidst all the different dining halls there. So, I mean, people definitely remember the foods, uh, the food culture there at UCLA. And then you're also in Los Angeles. So, so even if you yeah. went out to, for a weekend, 
you can have some of the best tasting and cheapest and from the affordable street food to high-end luxury, uh, you can really find whatever fits uh, your taste and your, your bill, <laughs> uh, I think, in the Los Angeles area. So I think you really are um, given that, um, that, that uh, the, the ability to kind of just jump from different corners of the world. And I think that was really one of my favorite takeaways from my experience there. You mentioned the marching band. What kind of things were you involved in on campus? I know that you did a number of different things. So yeah, share some yeah. of those. Yeah, marching band was huge. We had, I mean, three, two-hour rehearsals a week and even all days on Saturdays uh, because we would have to do the, the Rose Bowl in Pasadena as the home court of UCLA. Mm -hmm. um, so that was a significant amount of time. That uh, our, our, our um, involvements that kind of stem from that or like kind of uh, tangent off that were, yeah. uh, I was in a service fraternity, uh, that Kappa Kappa Psi that was kind of doing community service through music, both in supporting the different band programs at UCLA, but then we also did a lot of engagement with um, schools and, uh, and other chapters within the, uh, the Southern California area. So, so that service fraternity was also a huge imprint on my um, leadership development and, and mm -hmm. my um, getting the skills of, of coordinating different programming. I, I, I held the roles of being a treasurer and a vice president, uh, which was in charge of bringing membership to, to the organization. Um, I worked several jobs, uh, and I mentioned being a first-gen student, so of course meeting the cost was a, was a significant thing that was top of mind. So for work study, I was able to be a campus tour guide, which I would say is one of the best, <laughs> it was really the job that kind of trained me <laughs> to do what I do. Uh, just thinking um, like kind of on improv, and responding to inquiries, et cetera. Uh, campus tours is supported by the admissions office. And so that's where I right. was able to get the, the jargon and the, the, the uh, advisement skills from that. Um, there were other, two other organizations that were connected to the tours office. There was Cub Tours, and it was a volunteer organization that I was involved in. Uh, where we'd give uh, tours of campus to elementary school students and then mm -hmm. Bruin Ambassadors, which is the, the visiting different high schools in the local area and doing presentations at those high schools uh, uh, to help support the endeavors of the admissions office. Um, I also served as an orientation uh, counselor, orientation being the transition program from high school into the university that kind of teaches you uh, policy, procedure, rules, and regulations of the university, uh, and but also did the um, kind of holistic uh, mentorship of, of how to navigate some of the stresses, uh, both physical, emotional, mental, et cetera, as you go through college. So that was also a significant, um, uh, a significant involvement that I had because I was one of the student coordinators in one of my final years at UCLA. Uh, and then of course, intramural sports. I was also involved in the Catholic Center at UCLA. So again, there's like an endless wheel of things that you can get involved in. And through each of these different organizations, you meet a really dynamic cast of characters who can serve as soundboards for you throughout your life. So I absolutely would not I don't know. I, I, I don't know if I can redo my uh, if I can like replay that uh, experience, because I'm glad that I did what I did, because I wouldn't be here talking to you if I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> OK, so let's kind of um, talk a little bit about your different summers while you were at UCLA. Um, what did you do during each of the different summers? 
Yeah. Um, and so, so for, for me, um, again, one of the, the grounding uh, experiences of, of, of being at UCLA was making sure that the cost of college was something that was top of mind. So I actually did a lot of working over the summer, uh, mm -hmm. working with the jobs that I just mentioned, being a tour guide, being a Bruin ambassador, and, and even an orientation counselor. So a significant amount of uh, of that, uh, my time in the summers went to that. Um, and then also uh, taking summer school. So I think the quarter system, and I'd love to, to chat a little bit more about the quarter system was, um, it was a new transition of, of a style, especially when you hear from my, my high school peers who were studying in semester systems um, that had up to 15, 16 week semesters uh, and two per year, the quarter system at UCLA was really intense and and but also in, in little bursts so that was like a 10-week quarter where you take all your classes for 10 weeks all the different lectures and discussion groups and then you'd have a week of finals and then mm -hmm. you'd have some kind of break in between whether it be the christmas break or the spring break i found it to be very um uh, uh like um systematic in that you can have a lot more combinations of courses so i think it while it was intense at the time where every two to three weeks, you can expect some kind of midterm or uh, examination. Mm -hmm. While that was intense, it allows you to have a larger scope of flexibility in case you don't get the courses that you want. So uh, I'm a huge supporter of the quarter system because you have 12 terms versus eight terms to kind of right. figure out what that what, what your calling is. Uh, and then I also, I mean, that's how our brains function now is like as soon as you're done, it, it's kind of in small bursts. And so I actually lent a hand into my uh, being able to explore a number of different areas, uh, because if you love a class, you can continue to ascend into that, uh, taking classes that are related to it. But if um, if you don't like it, it's only ten weeks long. So you really have um, kind <laughs> yeah. of uh, that that kind of directive. So so I, I'm a huge fan of the uh, quarter system. And so during summer school, I was able to take um, courses again that I can fit in combination uh, to my trajectory. And uh, and and I think that was. Um, uh, mostly what I did uh, during summers. Uh, on top of that, because there were fewer people on campus, I was able to kind of explore a lot more of Los Angeles. Again, at the time where I did have a car, we would drive down to the beach areas, um, Silicon Beach, uh, and uh, different parts of the coastal areas. I think what was really enjoyable. Um, and uh, and being able to, again, explore the, the culinary scene while uh, in Los Angeles. So I think uh, summers were a great time. And then, of course, uh, a significant part of the summer is for band camp. So that whether it be helping my own high school band camp and I'd go home for a few weeks or doing band camp while in um, in Los Angeles, uh, we would be back uh, on campus about a month in advance getting ready for the the next marching season. So uh, my summer school was uh, summers were kind of truncated because of that, but that was also by choice and because it brought me a lot of joy to be on the marching band field and sweating it out all out there. So, so you mentioned the Rose Bowl, by the way. Um, so, do, is that something that you were able to do every year, or is that um, marching? Yeah. Down? So, yeah, the Rose Bowl. Uh, so that uh, there is the Rose Bowl, which is the venue, and there's also the Rose Bowl, which is, of course, yeah. one of the national championships. Right. So, um, <laughs> I'm saying Rose Bowl in the sense of that was our home court, and yeah. so we were able to go, you know, every other Saturday or whatever the schedule called for. And of course, they would bus students out there in, in, in buses. Uh, the marching band was 250 people, so they took five five and a half buses to get people out there, including a, a truck that we would load up all the tubas and the drums, et cetera, on. Um, and so then that's the, that's the experience of getting out to Pasadena. Um, and there were a lot of different concert venues and, and of course, different sporting events. So, um, so yeah, I, I really much, very much enjoyed 
the culture around that. I know it's a little different. Some colleges have their uh, football stadium on campus. So the whole tailgating experience is, is different and unique. But, but at UCLA, and even as a UCLA alumnus, going out and doing the tailgating and cheering on the, the marching band, et cetera, was uh, part of one of my favorite pastimes. Um, but it allowed me to see uh, Los Angeles in a different light. So I was a huge fan of, of that. Uh, I don't think we were able to get to the Rose Bowl in my time while I was at UCLA, the <laughs> no, actual Rose Bowl. You know, but no. it, but it's still, I'm still very much uh, a huge fan of, of anything at the Rose Bowl. You know, I wanted to seg into um, the whole discussion on majors. Um, mm. I noticed that um, um, I believe you majored in psychobiology and mm-hmm. and minored in like a zillion others, and so. Um, Talk a little bit about that. I mean, the, uh, the why did you pick what you picked? And you did a number of minors. I, you mentioned education uh, in our earlier conversation here. Um, talk to us a little bit about that and, how, you know, what your mindset was around that time doing all sure, this. Sure, sure. Sure, sure. Um, so I wanted to say that, uh, again, major does not equal career. So I think that yeah. was, again, at the time I was operating with that. And so I jumped from different major to major, uh, or at least the coursework of thinking. Um, of course, I wanted to be going to medical school. And so I took on biological sciences. And then I started to dabble in different life sciences. You take all your courses, LS1, 2, 3, 4, and then you get to see uh, kind of a zooming in on looking at ecosystems down to the cellular level. And so you get this exposure uh, to different fields of study. And so there's a, there's a plethora of different uh, biology majors that are there. But my um, discovery of psychobiology was after I took a psychology class. And so that's where I think just by way of taking the introduction of the, of the topic, you're like, wow, there, there is, there's this whole field dedicated to the way that people behave. And I think I never really thought, saw that in my high school, or at least my, my program in high school didn't have a psychology course built out. And so as soon as I took the class, again, to satisfy a general requisite course, I was like, this is totally it. Um, you know, I first I was like, oh, I like marine biology. I like uh, studying things. And then you got to study fish and bone and just like, oh, this is <laughs> not my thing. And then you start to look at other <laughs> different versions. I was like, maybe microbiology is it. But then I was like, I can't look at a microscope anymore. So you kind of dabble and then find these different things. And so my 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 major psychobiology is actually inspired by um, that same mentor who told me like you can change the world by being more than just a doctor. Uh, she was also a psycho a psychobio major. So I ended up taking uh, psychology, falling in love, and just really seeing the science behind behavior. Uh, it really intrigued me to think about um, what is are the biologic, biological processes behind why we sleep, why we're hungry, why we're attracted to uh, X and not Y. And so it was really one of those things that I felt like it was really applicable uh, biology. And so I ended up kind of uh, following and, and closing through with, with that biology piece. Um, the minor came into the, into the fray because I, there are a number of different minors there. And I was actually considering a classics minor because in my taking the prerequisite courses and the general education requirements, I was taking a lot of Greek mythology. Of course, my my love of, of reading about um, all of that in high school mm-hmm. uh, kind mm-hmm. of fueled that. And so I was able to take some of those courses, but then ended up not uh, minoring in um, in anything else other than education studies. So um, so I think for me, that was more than enough to chew on. 
though um, those other courses that I was studying, like uh, physics and chemistry, those are all kind of built into the, the biology major uh, itself. So, so my official degree is psychobiology with an education studies minor. Um, but I think that exposure to all those different topics is what helped kind of me thinking about what, what really do I like studying and what's really important. And again, finding what would then be my mission, which was international education, which I uh, took, got my master's in. The thing I wanted to kind of drill down a little bit next is, um, you know, and it's coming through in this uh, conversation, is your uh, passion for college admissions and counseling and, you know, all the tips that you're dropping along the way. Um, <laughs> Where where did all that come from? Why why that energy and passion around this? Sure. Uh, well, well. Um, first off, I want to say I can talk endlessly about this stuff because I think it, it, it's it's ultimately couched in my um, my my intrinsic drive to want <laughs> to connect others to to the opportunities, and in yep. particular, helping helping people see themselves in opportunities that they don't traditionally see themselves in. I think that's really my, my spark joy um, thing. Um, so my passion for college counseling, I think was, and I, and I kind of <laughs> joked about the best job in the world is being a tour guide because you're right. kind of being a salesperson to some, to a, a place that brought you so much. So it's a combination of lived experience, but then also getting in proximate to other versions of excellence uh, by way of the students that are around you. I really, um, I think it all kind of started as a campus tour guide that then was further amplified by being a Bruin ambassador, then being an orientation counselor that really taking on that advisory coach mentor role uh, was really powerful. It had a really powerful imprint on me. Um, and that it, when I even look at all the different leadership roles that I had, it, it, it was about people. And it, it's not just from an, oh, I'm an extroverted person, but it's really about that's how I process and think. And that's what I love being able to do is, is having dialogue and, and being able to uh, understand people's stories. Mm -hmm. uh, my my jumping into college admissions, and so my second, my next job after, or once I graduated from UCLA, I worked for the uh, admissions office. So I became an admissions officer, and so it was my uh, scope of work to travel around to different uh, high schools in the area, and then to review and read applications for the university. Uh, but ultimately, it was about bringing in a diverse set of young people that were going to um, transform and take the mission of UCLA forward. So I think that mm -hmm. there was a, a great honor that was bestowed on me by mm -hmm. thinking about how are we admitting uh, the best leaders um, to, to, the, to, the, to the university. Um, mm -hmm. That was, for, so this was right around 2008. So for those who uh, don't, don't know, there was a huge economic fallout. There was a world global recession. There was a lot of stuff that was happening there. So, so I took on the job that was within reach and that was closest. And because the tours office was uh, essentially um, advised by the admissions office, um, I already had a con few contacts um, in the admissions office. So then it, for me, it made a, an easy transition in, in, in knowing that I was coded to help others get connected to UCLA. Mm -hmm. uh, as my career as the admissions office started to, um, to, to, to widen from California to national, um, there was a huge um, direction that was set to look at non-resident students in addition to California residents. Uh, mm -hmm. So I was recruiting in, in Illinois, uh, in Florida, in Georgia, um, and, and parts, uh, other parts of the United States. And then it zoomed out to international. And so I was very fortunate to be 
given the opportunity to, to do some international recruitment where I spent two weeks in China touring different high schools and getting to know more about uh, young people who wanted to study in the United States. I think my passion for, you know, for my, further, my furthering my passion for admissions was understanding what I knew about China going into uh, visiting those high schools to, uh, to learning what it actually was. I think that kind of uh, dissonance was something that was so, uh, it just it set off so much curiosity in me. And mm -hmm. so recognizing what were some of the things that um, the admissions office was looking for and, and, and navigating the Chinese um, education landscape, as well as trying to connect young people who saw, um, saw opportunity in UCLA. I mean, that really kind of set me off on this new trajectory of international uh, admissions. And so after working at, at UCLA for three years, I took on a job offer to be a college counselor overseas. And so I moved to Shanghai and I had the chance of, of now sending students in the opposite direction and looking at a range of different schools in the United States, including UCLA, but also looking at uh, a number of the different um, players in the university landscape. And that's where I, I, I really appreciated the um, intergenerational nature of, of counseling, that it's not just students, it's also involving their families. And, and, and even in a time, what the students wanted versus what the parents wanted, it was just so it was a lot to wrap my head around that I really kind of enjoyed this whole um, playing investigator and trying to balance what are the factors that parents and students are looking for. And I was just energized by that. I was like, I'm energized to kind of bring to the table and, and facilitate dialogue between students and parents and counselors about what would be not only culture fit, but also culture add and what, what, what they would bring to those campuses as well. And so I think that was a really exciting experience. So, so a lot of my career, even moving after were about student affairs, was about um, advisement, uh, was about scholarship recruitment, even going into graduate school. Um, but I think my overall passion, and this is my own personal mantra, is uh, I can change the world uh, by finding and recruiting world changers. And so when I think about admitting people to either scholarships or UCLA um, or my leadership program, I'm asking myself, what communities is this person bringing to the space? And I think that's what's really exciting about thinking about college admissions is like you are representative, you are a sum of you know what your parents did growing up, where you grew up, what you study, where you study, all that stuff is is part of who you are. And you're thinking about how is that going to add perspective to 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 the community that you're being admitted to, and that's one of the main drivers of how I look at this college admissions selection work. So I, you can tell I'm already geeking out about this stuff. So, um. <laughs> so this one, no, no, I, this is this is uh, this is why I wanted to ask the question because I I knew that this was something deep rooted. Let's do a couple of things. I mean, I one of the questions I like to ask my guess is um, if they could do a redo. So in your case, if you could go back to UCLA for four years or relive those four years, how different would it be? What would you do differently? I, I often fantasize about the other alternative universes <laughs> that would have been a part of. Had I, had I you know, auditioned for an acapella group and got in, had I taken on um, volunteering with a, a nonprofit organization that was at UCLA. I mean, constantly people are founding organizations and initiatives that are driving the things that are important to them. Um, I would have been able to, I think if I can go back in time with some of what I know now, I would, what I would have spent less time freaking out about being um, right 
uh, that being like major and, um, and uh, career, but then focus on how to be real and authentic and to approach things with curiosity. So I would have coached baby freshman Christian to not be so tied up with trying to, to be the perfect major because it really is just the start of the conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, and to be really cognizant of how am I measuring if things are going right. And I think I, I was normalizing, uh, oh, college is gonna be hard. I gotta suffer, I gotta use late nights. But really that, that procrastination is connected to your emotional affect towards the content. So if, you're, if you find yourself not studying when you should be, it's because it's not sparking joy inside of you. So I, it would have been a, a different reframing of, of kind of understanding what is it, you know, how can you get exposed to different experiences uh, that can really widen and sharpen the things that, um, that, that, that are your skill sets and, and your uh, things that are important to you. So I think I would have go- gone back in time and, uh, I, and, and be able to get myself past that self-thinking um, so that I can reframe and get out of that negativity bias and be able to orient myself to, to seeing things with fresh eyes and opportunity. Um, I, I mean, there are uh, hundreds and thousands of different other directions that I could have taken. I mean, should I have joined a pre-law or pre-health society? Um, I could have um, been involved in the, the Greek life uh, experience. I could have um, been more forthright with uh, focusing on um, health and working out and sports, et cetera. But I think the combination and the exposure and being able to squeeze in what I could at the time was part of the process that naturally had to happen. Um, and I, I guess to kind of throw it back onto the question, I don't think I would have changed anything different because again, I, I don't think I would have been in a position to share the story as it is now if I didn't go through those struggles, if I didn't go through the traumas and dramas that then I've had to learn how to heal and therefore have become uh, better and, and more more confident in, in what I what I what I do. And so I think being able to discover the, uh, the confidence and the humility at the same time to kind of bring that to, to what I do now, it, 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 again, once you find that sweet spot, then it's pure electric. Um, you know, there's, there's a power in saying not yet. And I think that's, that's what I would have been able to kind of reflect more on if I can go back in time. Um, but hey, I, I am who I am now because of, of, of what, <laughs> how, it, how it shook out. Okay. Now let's get to the fun part, uh, something you do day in and day out. Um, <laughs> so there are millions of aspiring students world over. Um, what would you tell them as they are getting ready to apply to college, maybe getting ready to apply to the UC system, to UCLA? Mm-hmm. What, what yeah, would you um, I would say, okay, well, I know that the landscape of college uh, admissions has changed significantly since I went through the process. And mm-hmm. even as I worked as part of the process, it has right. significantly changed, changed. And I do want to give space to where we are um, given the pandemic and COVID times. I know that, I mean, colleges are very forthright about approaching things in a holistic manner mm-hmm. uh, and looking at uh, multiple factors that, uh, that make the narrative. And I think my advice to students who are thinking about UCLA is one, it's hard to get into. So not to, to take it as an exercise of, you know, what are the statistics of, of how to get in? So okay. don't obsess about chances as it is about how am I seeing these as opportunities, not just applying to UCLA, but all your colleges, your set of colleges to really dig into um, where can I 
test and explore and be curious about the things that fill my cup. Um, so first thing, don't go this process alone. Uh, while you might go to a high school that has a college office, or you, you might um, have parents, friends who might have some college knowledge, there's a whole wide web of information out there. And there's a great you know, online directory called LinkedIn <laughs> that you can use to connect with people who have these gifts of knowing a little bit about the college process. Um, I mean, the, the technological advances of being able to connect with campuses in, in more profound ways, there's a lot more content out there, but it's about how do you create space for listening to as many different stories and not in a way to try to replicate what they did. So clearly that does not work if you're just trying to do what others did because it's your journey to own. It's like, how does that then inform the conviction of the trajectory that you want. Mm -hmm. So I really, I, I, I tell students to be extra interrogating, if that's a word, I would just really interrogate what are your motivations to want to go to these different universities? Mm -hmm. I mean, sure, we can use rankings as a guideline to kind of forecast, but in helping students kind of understand their narrative, the better they understand themselves, the better they understand themselves into these different campuses. Like we all know the infamous Y College X essay that everyone has to write. Yes. It is nothing about the college. It's all about you. It's about how you would thrive at that college. So you don't need to write an essay that talks about how great University X is, um, or in the case for the UCs, a PIQ about what you're going to add to uh, what what uh, what is at the the campus that you're going to take advantage of. But really, uh, it is a reciprocal conversation about what is both the 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 culture fit and the culture add to to that organ uh, to that university. So I'd say go through the interpersonal excavation, and it requires you to get out of your own head, especially as a young high schooler. I mean, I, I was very impressionable, so I was very I followed. Uh, you know, please model this for me, and I'll. I can do whatever things that you said, but I, I wasn't really given as many perspectives to say, Christian, what matters to you? Right. And what's really important? What do you think about before going to, to bed? And what do you think about when you get up in the morning? And so it's really taking stock of um, not only what you're achieving, but how you're doing it. And can you derive pride from all of that? So I would say, even if, even though the scripts now say, you got to be president of this, you got to take 7,000 APs and IVs, like really be extra um, uh, sure about why you're doing these things as tools of your leadership, as extension of your values. Like those are the things that I think are really important. And, and again, building confidence, but also walking with humility that you're joining conversations that are already happening all around you. And so it's not about just changing the world, but what is your main contribution to that? So a lot of times with the counseling, it's, it's about values exploration. It's like you can talk to your best friends, talk to your parents, family members, et cetera, and they ask them to summarize you in three to five words. See what the be a pattern hunter and see what the pattern is across those things. And see, you know, where do you go to work? Like what, you know, how do you, if you measure yourself in the number of hours committed to these activities where you're in your flow state and you're doing them because they fill you up and not because you need it for a college application, that will lend a roadmap to kind of understand what are the things that are going to be important for you to have on that campus. But at the end of the day, we want to see that you work hard so that you've demonstrated what you're doing, that you're constantly growing, constantly curious about um, the world around you and that your intrinsic motivation is to make the world better by being a member of that university, that you're going to leverage those resources, leverage the brand so that you are able to change the world in your own way. And I think that's a really important conversation to have as you launch into applying to schools. Hmm. 
Okay, so um, we're nearing the end of our podcast here. I wanted to throw it open to any kind of, you know, fond memory you might want to share or um, talk about something that we haven't talked about or, you know, expand on something that we've already discussed. So um, it's really up to you. Sure thing. Yeah, no, I, I love these open-ended questions because they, they feed into my creativity, <laughs> <and> my <laughs> being able to to respond in, in a way that is coherent. So I think what I'll first start off with is just one that kind of jumped into my head. There's a UCLA tradition called Spring Sing. And I, I encourage you as you re- research UCLA and research all these different universities is you get a sense of their culture by way of what are the traditions of the campus. I mean, obviously the brand it echoes like the, the colors and the school songs and, and, and some of the, the events, these kinds of rites of passage, I think they really unlock a little bit about that university. But anyways, there's this uh, thing called Spring Sing, which uh, for all intents and purposes is a UCLA uh, talent show. And so they have different categories from performers to dance troops and, uh, and uh, sometimes uh, Greek life uh, fraternities and sororities put on a production. And so during my senior year, um, my uh, fraternity and sorority were able to put together a show uh, for Spring Sing and so it was just one of the, the greatest achievements of, of my experience because um, no one really knew what uh, what our fraternity sorority was because we were a service fraternity okay. and traditionally uh, social fraternities are the ones who show up this. And so like, who is this new uh, player in the field? And uh, and we were able to leverage because all the members of the the, the band fraternity and sorority um, are, are members of the marching band, and so we were able to pull all these marching sets and choreography and things <laughs> that you know were already in our wheelhouse. But it was it was really neat because we were reflecting some of the values. You know, we played off of the rivalry with USC. We really at the time uh, UCLA basketball and and you know cr- fingers crossed, knock on wood that their their continued success and they keep on going and getting better. But we were able to talk about the legacy of uh, uh, of Kevin Love uh, and other major players uh, at UC in UCLA basketball, um, and then um, of course it, it was talking about um, the Bruins having that everlasting optimism. So we were able to craft a really fantastic show that people didn't know, uh, just just not knowing us as the underdog. We we left a lot of good impressions <laughs> of people in that audience. So so I thought that was really fun. Uh, as a member of the the, the UCLA marching band, uh, my senior year I uh, was the um, the, uh, my positioning, we spell out UCLA and script cursive on the marching band field. And my spot was um, essentially in the A of UCLA. I was at the top of the tail, essentially. And so I was kind of like the final exclamation point. We would raise all of our capes to kind of, um, it would blaze the whole field with uh, a UCLA and gold capes. And that was always one of my signature um, memories because I was able <laughs> to kind of put that exclamation point on on that uh, really um fantastic formation um and then as a tour guide another memory that i had was i I gave the campus tour guide to hugh laurie he's the actor who plays house md yeah and so his son charlie was visiting the campus and uh i also gave a uh, college info session to will and jada pinkett smith uh their young son was also considered ucla at the time so i have a a list of celebrity college admissions uh, interactions um and now having been an alumnus i think um reflecting very fondly about the ways in which um, UCLA has created immense crossroads uh, from, you know, the UCLA Shanghai chapter um, now in the New York Association where I live now in New York. Uh, There's just this really um, kind of, um, yeah, this resource of insight um, 
of insight of uh, insight and inspiration by way of Bruins coming through my life in all different uh, shapes and sizes. I think it was really exciting to to go to Bruin weddings, to see Bruin babies. Uh, <laughs> there's just so much that's going on with with all that. And and having recruited for UCLA and representing the banner internationally, and even now in my lived experience, uh, I am not shy to say that I am who I am because of the the blue and gold at UCLA. And it's it's really been you know, and and I of course. I, I can't say enough about how much the association and, and also how much pride that I am able to offer, that I see myself as an extension of UCLA's mission. And so I think that's really exciting for me to be able to, to advocate for, for Bruins um, in all the different things that I'm involved in, um, both personally and professionally. So, so that I think is uh, my drawer or my treasure chest, uh, treasure chest of UCLA memories. But hey, they're still, they're still happening. And I think that's part of the excitement that even since I graduated, uh, these memories are still being written. Fantastic. Fantastic. So Christian, this um, has been an exhilarating conversation, um, lots of energy, lots of passion, and your love for UCLA obviously uh, comes through big time. So thank you for <laughs> taking the time on a sat Saturday afternoon. And if you're this energetic on a Saturday afternoon about UCLA, there must be something right there. Um, so very well, I thank you again. And um, I'm sure I'd like to have more conversations with you um, on this and other topics. But for now, take care, be safe, and I'll talk to you soon. Hi again. Hope you enjoyed our podcast with Christian Tanger about UCLA. Christian paints an action-packed portrait of his undergraduate experience. He chronicles his first-year struggles in the classroom till he found his calling in education studies. He talks about the pressure he felt to live up to expectations, to not let his family down by soldiering on with subjects that did not resonate with him. He committed himself to a broad set of activities and causes on campus to become a proud lifelong Bruin. I hope Christian's inspiring story gets you to take a deeper look at UCLA. For questions or comments on this podcast, please email podcast at almamatters.io. Thank you all so much for listening to our podcast today. Transcripts for this podcast and previous podcasts are on almamatters.io forward slash podcasts. To stay connected with us, subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify, or visit anchor.fm forward slash alma matters to check us out till we meet again take care and be safe thank you